So we're going to read together from uh, Matthew chapter 5, and Peter's going to come and speak. We're on week three of the best sermon ever. So um, again, that's a series, nothing about preachers here. Um, so let's read Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it is said in the You've heard it, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there at the front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary so that uh, who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and who may throw you into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Amen. Well, good morning. And uh, we're going to look this morning at the topic today, which according to our notice sheet is anger, but it isn't. <laughs> Did you learn lots of Bible verses, particularly perhaps when you were uh, younger? Can you join in and complete this verse with me? It's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, depending on which version you learnt it in. All scripture is useful for four things. Two of them are to do with telling us about doctrine, teaching, and rebuking. Two of, two of them are to do with training us in the way that we live, correcting us when we're living in the wrong way, and training us in righteousness. Now, today's sermon is not going to have anything about doctrine in it, so it's not going to be about teaching or rebuking, but it is going to be about training us in righteousness. In other words, the topic for today is to do with encouraging us to live out Christian values in our lives. Can you join in with this verse? This is uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, joy peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So although on the notice sheet today's topic is anger, no it isn't. Today's topic is self-control. Let me tell you about my granddaughter, Annabelle. Now, Annabelle's now seven, but when she was two, 
A great shock happened in her life. Her baby sister was born. And all of a sudden, Annabelle had to share her world with somebody else. Well, that was fine for a few weeks while baby sister was immobile. But after about six months, when baby sister began to crawl, Annabelle was really annoyed because she had a little memory game, I think you call it Pillmanism, you know, where she had a lot of cards, and there were two cards the same, and you put them all out face down on the table, and then you had to turn them over and see if you could match the pairs. And she really enjoyed this game until little Amelia came sort of crawling across the floor. And uh, Annabelle said to her mum, Mum, it would be really good if Amelia could die, because then I could play my game without being interrupted. <laughs> Well, what happened at the beginning of Genesis? Two brothers, Cain and Abel, and one wanted to see the other one dead, and in fact arranged for him to be dead. Lack of self-control, anger if you like. So we're going to look at this, this passage then. Verse 21, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. This is the first uh, of six groups of uh, little bits of teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus begins by saying, you've heard it said, and he's quoting from the Old Testament law and referring to the way that the Old Testament law was traditionally interpreted. Now, Jesus also said that he'd not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So what he says is, you heard it said that this was how to interpret the law, but I tell you, there is a better way to interpret the law. So, in this passage, we are reminded that there's um, one of the Ten Commandments that says you shall not murder. Anyone who does murder is taken to court and is committed because there is a sort of human judgment on him for committing the sin of murder. So far, so good. But Jesus says, behind the act of murder, there is a thought, there is an impulse of your heart, there is something going on in your mind, in your spirit, in your emotions that wants you to commit that murder. And that thing going on in your heart or your spirit is also subject to a judgment. Not the judgment of the court, because you've not committed a crime, You've only thought something that was wrong. But a judgment by God, because God looks on the heart. And God's standards surpass the standards of the Ten Commandments and the standards of human law and of human law courts. So in that sense, Jesus says, if you have hatred in your heart, and that hatred has the capacity to sort of um, be kindled into the desire to murder, then you will be judged by God. 
That seems a bit negative, but remember where we started. We started with God's Spirit making a difference in our lives. And part of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So in setting the bar high, God also gives us the means or the mechanism to reach his standards. His Spirit in our lives will eventually lessen and hopefully rid us of those evil desires that could lead to murder and hatred. So it's to do really not with the actions of our hands, but with what's going on in our hearts, our minds, our emotions. So we have to guard our hearts against anger. Well, how can we do that? We can do it by recognizing, first of all, that there is a high standard by which we are judged, God's standard. God hates anger, jealousy, pride, and so on. And we have to recognize that if we catch ourselves thinking in that way, then we are displeasing God and we can pray for forgiveness. And we must repent of anger. We must repent of our sins and God will change our hearts. And we must overcome our propensity for anger with acts of good. Let me read you this verse from Romans 12, verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Perhaps that's a verse for us to take away today. Don't be overcome by evil but allow evil to be overcome by good. So that's about our hearts. But let's move on. Verse 22, the second part of it. Anyone who says to a brother, Raka, is answerable to the court. Anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. It's not just our hearts that can lead us to hatred and anger, and where we need self-control. It's our tongues, our mouths as well. Not only will wrong motives in our hearts be judged by God, wrong speech will also be judged by God. So there are two insults here. You can say to your brother, Raka. Raka is an Aramaic word which means empty-headed. It's like somebody calling, calling you a blockhead or a nobody. Or a, the, the French have a lovely term for this. You know, there's a series of books um, called things like The Internet for Dummies. You come across these bright um, yellow and black covers. Um, you can get The Internet for Dummies. You can probably get, you know, washing machine maintenance for dummies, um, um, electric car driving for dummies, you know. Um, preaching for dummies. Um, but um, in French, there's a lovely expression. So the, the internet for dummies is l'internet pour les nuls. You're a nul, N-U-L. You score zero. Nul point, okay? Frequently heard expression every year. <laughs> um, so it's an, it's an insult to somebody to say that they're empty-headed, they've got no brain power, you know, um, that they're, they're a fool. But the verse goes on, and if you then call somebody a fool, ah, now this is not an Aramaic word, this is a Greek word, 
and it's the word from which we get the word moron. So if you call somebody a moron, you're really insulting them. You're insulting people in two ways, according to this passage. You can attack somebody's intellect. You can say, oh, you're not very bright. You're a noon. You're a racker. Or you can insult their, person, their, their character, their intrinsic worth as a person. Oh, you're a fool. You're a moron. You're nothing. And Jesus wants us to understand in this passage that we need to govern our tongues because perhaps sometimes on the spur of the moment, not just will we think murderous thoughts, but we will say unkind and murderous and slanderous things. James chapter 4 verse 11, do not speak against one another, brothers and sisters. So to maintain peaceful relationships, we must guard our hearts. We must also guard our tongues. It's our tongue that has the capacity to destroy relationships. Again, in the letter of James, he describes how the tongue is like a destructive fire. And we prayed earlier for the fires in uh, British Columbia and in the Western United States. A fire begins with a tiny spark and it grows into something uncontrollable. So it is with our tongues. A tiny word, a tiny sentence, something muttered out of the corner of your mouth without when you're not even really thinking about it, can do immense harm, immense danger. Proverbs chapter 17 says this, a truly wise person restrains his words. Proverbs 29 says, a fool expresses all his emotions, but a wise person controls them. Uh, I was reading uh, a book by Bill Hybels, in, in which uh, he says, um, what do you do if somebody comes to you and they say, you know, I, I'm forever opening my mouth and putting my foot in it. Every 50, 50 things I say, I hurt somebody. You know what Bill Hybels says? Just say 49 things. Okay. So we need to guard our tongues. We need to make sure that what comes out of our mouths is edifying and gracious. Colossians chapter four, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer everyone. But the really important thing that we need to do with our tongues, back to our topic of self-control, is to allow God to control them. We must submit our tongues to God. James again, chapter 3. For every kind of animal, bird, reptile and sea creature is subdued and has been subdued by humankind, but no human being can subdue the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. No human can tame the tongue. Only God can. So we must submit our tongues to God. We must ask for God's Holy Spirit to bring about self-control in our lives. And here's a prayer that we can all pray. Psalm 141, verse 3. David says, O Lord, place a guard on my mouth. Protect the opening of my lips. Place a guard on my mouth. Protect the openings, the opening of my lips. We're going to have a little treat now. Don't worry. 
There are four points to the sermon, and we've got to the end of point number two, but points number three and four will not take us a very long time. I'm going to read you some verses from the Bible about anger and wrathful, intemperate speech. And just pray with me that one of these verses would sort of latch onto your thinking so that you could go away today with one of those verses to pray into uh, reality in your own life. There's 10 of them. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it only leads to evil. That's Psalm 37. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. It's Proverbs 14. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms the quarrel. Also Proverbs 15. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. Proverbs 22. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Proverbs 29. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Ecclesiastes 7. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Ephesians 4. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Colossians 3. And finally, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. James chapter 1. We began by saying that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for several things, including training in righteousness. Let's pray that God's word today encourages us to behave in a more godly way. Quickly then, the last couple of points. Verse 23, remembering, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. This is um, a section about wrong relationships in the context of worship. And it's slightly puzzling. We would understand it if Jesus said, you're about to go to worship and uh, come to the altar, and you have something against somebody else. Go and sort it out with them so that you can come to worship with a pure heart. And that's 
definitely a biblical principle, but it's not what he says. What he says is, as you come to the altar to worship, you become aware that somebody else has something against you. Now you might think it's their job to sort it out with you. They're the ones who were offended. It's their job to sort it out with you. But no, Jesus says, your worship, everybody's worship, will be impeded. So you must go and sort it out with the person that you've offended who has something against you. So we need to pray for a certain sort of um, sixth sense of sensitivity so that we pick up on signals from the other person who sort of lets us know somehow that we've offended them. Let me quote to you Stephen's favourite poet, Rabbi Burns. <laughs> ah, for the gift, the gifty guess, to see ourselves as others see us. I can't say that without sounding like Private Fraser from Dad's Army. <laughs> But um, the principle is there, isn't it? You know, we need to pray that we will be able to see our own behaviour through the eyes of other people whom we may have offended so that we can deal with that offence and so that we and they can come to worship with pure hearts and with no disagreement hindering that worship. Horizontal worships, horizontal relationships reflect a vertical relationship. This is from 1 John chapter 4. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his fellow Christian, he's a liar. Because the one who does not love his fellow Christian whom he's seen cannot love God whom he's not seen. So it's incumbent upon us, you know, all of us, in our worship together as Christians, to make sure that we can do that uh, in a way which demonstrates, um, what's, what's the word I want? No barriers between us, um, short accounts with each other, so that we are happily in unity and fellowship with each other. Finally, verses 25 and 26. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. We move on from worship together to a legal illustration. Now, I think what Jesus is talking about is a situation where you have definitely done something wrong, this is not that you're being accused um, wrongly and that you need to protest your innocence and you need to go to court in order to be exonerated and to um, be declared innocent. It's not that. You have done something wrong. You owe money, for example. And so the person you owe money to asks you for that money to be repaid and you don't do it. And so you go to court where there will be a court judgment against you. What Jesus says is, don't let it get to that stage. This is about being reconciled with people as fast as possible. Not going all the way to the court, but finding a way which is a sort of win-win for everybody. Living peaceably with all people.
And we're going to stop at this point, but I'm going to just going to read you Romans chapter 12, verse 18. As far as, far as possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. Romans 12, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by good. Galatians 6, so we must not grow weary in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not give up. So it's all about maintaining open relationships, friendships, and keeping short accounts with people that we may have wronged. So today is all about being trained in righteousness and learning about self-control, the positive side of a sermon about anger.